Hello and welcome to Don't Give a Back Buck. We're back, except this time I'm here and I've got a new co-host, Matt. Matt, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. I'm doing good. It's pleasure to be here. Pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. Glad to have you on, mate. It makes a big difference having someone else to chat to instead of sitting in my kitchen chatting to myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I imagine my must get lonely. <laughs> so obviously no, before I mean, we I'm, get in... Good, I'm glad. Before we get into anything, do you want to give everyone your socials so folk know where to find you? Obviously, everyone knows that you can find me at UK underscore Bucks on Twitter. What about yourself? Uh, I'm on Twitter just at Matt Vata. That's uh, V-O-T-T-A. Uh, very easy, really. Um, really, see, I, I, I follow Sean as well. So you can probably find me on the uh, following as well, somewhere in there, I think, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll find you. Again, that was at Matt Vota, in case you want to go find Matt. Matt, how did you become a Bucks fan? What got you into supporting a team in Milwaukee? Well, so I suppose I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a, a new brand NBA fan, I guess. I think um, I feel like a lot of, uh, well, I, I feel like a lot of UK fans anyway came from uh, this whole COVID thing, really. Um, because during COVID, at the beginning of COVID, you know, everything stopped, really, you know. You know, I'm a big football or soccer fan, I suppose, for American audiences, a uh, big football fan. And that all shut down in, what, March, April, April time. You know, you find yourself sitting there, you're not going, you know, I, I'm at uni, so I'm not going to uni, I'm not going out, doing anything. You know, what am I going to do with my time? Uh, my brother, actually, uh, he watched some, so Sky, I think they had the Sunday games. They streamed the Sunday games free on YouTube. Uh, the early Sunday game. I think there's always one. And my brother had watched quite a few of those. Um, and spe- specifically, he'd watched a, a, a Bucks one. Um, and then after that, you get you know, your whole sort of YouTube feed is then full of NBA WTF moments or whatever. I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen the compilations and you end up, you know, and uh, I mean, realistically, I just love, I just love Giannis. Uh, in all those compilation clips, you know, he, he, he shines as a sort of like a, a cracking sort of um, player and a and person, really. Um, and so along with that, I watched The Last Dance as well. That came out. I think maybe that attracted quite a few fans as well. But yeah, um, so Giannis really became my favourite player. And following that, uh, I just got involved in the Bucks. I watched the bubble. Um, and found myself getting really, really um, <laughs> into the team. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps maybe a bit too much at times. I mean, yelling at the screen at 2 a.m. in the morning probably isn't the greatest thing, but um, there was some infuriating times then. But since then, yeah, <laughs> I, follow, I follow the Bucks all, uh, all this season. Which, uh, I'd say I watched a good 75, 80% of the games during the regular season and then pretty much all of the playoff games. And, yeah. I was going to say, one, you, <laughs> you were up with me. Obviously, I was up for a lot of the regular season and most of the playoffs where I wasn't working. And you were pretty much up every game I was. It was you were one of the few folks that was guaranteed to get a chat with, which was like yeah, yeah. With with um <laughs> with going to uni, it allows uh, for quite quite strange, especially with uni being from home. You know, the the going to bed at five a.m. in the morning and waking up at nine for my first lecture isn't as bad when you can watch your lecture in bed. <laughs> That's a dream, though, isn't it? That's absolutely ideal. To be honest, there. Eh? So obviously, we're recording this on Friday night, which is a month to the day since the box infamously won game six of the finals and obviously all those players went down in history as legends didn't they now of course. what did you what did you make of the championship run oh well it was um i remember so actually while uh 
in um well I don't know, I guess in preparation I I, uh, I listened back to to the first episode of uh, of the podcast you did on your own you were talking about talking about firing Bud and trading Brook and looking back at it it's it's crazy to think how far we've come because during the season there were times when people were thinking you know what is this this team doesn't look like it it should be doing what it is doing and I guess you know when 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 crunch time came all the players showed up and it was you know it was a great great experience really. <laughs> I said I was very lucky in the fact that the team that I picked yeah, uh, what, last summer uh, ended up being the champions next year. I mean, I mean, yeah, there were times when it, did, it didn't feel like it was going to happen as well. I mean, Perfect. yeah. Game seven against the Nets, like that to me was one of the scary, well, I say scary, like nerve wracking games I've ever watched of any sport in the world. Like, the, fact that we, the fact that we managed to scrape through that thanks to Kevin Durant's big toads. It's just from that moment on, I was like, "Now nah, we've got this. This is ours to lose now." After that, yeah, yeah, like because so I, I I live with a bunch of mates up in a, up in London, and I've slowly been converting them to to Bucks fans. I mean, the the you know, you're not very far away from a Drew Holiday call within the house because <laughs> the Bucks announcer, he's a yeah, you can really hear him as well. <laughs> he's quite funny at times, um, but uh, yeah, that I mean. I watched so I watched the second Nets game in my in my uni house and we were down by what twenty or something at half and I was like, gee, like this team looks dreadful. When you compare to how we were playing against Miami, we, we looked like the best the Bucks had ever been. Oh, it's incredible anyway. That we were playing so well and wiping the floor with them. And then to go from that to what was happening he came to against the Nets, especially with Kyrie still being in the team. And or with Harden being out, even Harden was out, and I was like, "Well, you know, this is the Bucks' time to to pounce on this. We've got to we've got to take advantage of that. And if we don't, we're going to lose the series." And then we got you know blown out basically in both of the games without Harden. And I was thinking, "Well, this is this this doesn't look good." But the, yeah, they turned it around. Um, I mean, people, people, I think people will be talking for for a while about how you know Kyrie's injury played into that. But um, you know, you can't see who's in front of you. It obviously did, but injuries in general happen to every team, don't they? You know, was it unfortunate that the Nets got a good couple of players injured? Absolutely. I would have rather beaten them with a full-strength team. However, you look at the Eastern Finals when Giannis was out for the final two games. Obviously, our best player. And we still found a way to win. So, I don't think injuries can be to blame for, well, from Nets fans entirely. No, I think, I think um, the absence of Dante is really underplayed by a lot of people. Because Absolutely. I thought I've seen I've seen highlights of him playing Harden in the uh, in the regular season when we played the Nets the second time I think um, when Giannis and KD had those ridiculous games in the regular season and Dante's defense on Harden in that game was incredible and there are some really 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 good bits of defending in there and you know we missed his defensive versatility throughout the playoffs really I mean PJ coming in definitely definitely helps us and I think if we hadn't made that PJ type of trade there's no chance we get anywhere near the finals um, but without Dante I mean yeah he, he, he definitely would have slowed down uh, the Nets a little bit Well I totally agree I think Dante is actually one of the most underrated players on the Bucks team especially from Bucks fans themselves you know, 100% Offensively yeah he doesn't really provide matches and you know there was a couple of games where he didn't put any points up but you look at his def- like defensive contributions and it's completely different you know, yeah, he's he he when he was, I mean the the Bucks 
scheme. I mean, Bud's whole scheme revolves around rebounding guards. That's like the thing, right? And Dante is one of the best in the league at doing it. I mean, him and him and Pat, you know, grabbing rebounds is so important to how the Bucks play. And I think, you know, Bucks Twitter at times underrates both of them. No, Spawn, obviously you touched on earlier as well when, you know, there was the whole fire Bud movement. There was the Brooke Lopez should be traded idea. Like it still amazes me that I put a poll out on Twitter during I think it was Eastern, the Eastern Finals or ah, it was Finals I about if we went on to win the championship would fans still want Bud fired and it was a crazy amount of folk who actually said yes and I was like how can you expect to win a championship and then sack your boss I was yeah. like, that's crazy I was like the man's bringing like, you exactly what every fan wants and you still want them to go especially because of what, uh, the, the job that he did in the finals. I mean, Monty Williams was getting so much praise in the, the Suns run, and he, he, he coached a phenomenal series, you know, against the Clippers to get past them. But, um, you know, Bud completely outcoached him past, what, game two? I think, well, past game one even. I mean, game one, I think Monty definitely had the coaching up. But the, the next five games, I think it's all, it's all Bud, even, even if we did lose, what, the second one, right? Um, but that was mainly down to... Drew and Chris having terrible shooting nights. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, it was such a weird like playoffs in general, wasn't it? Because like you were saying, the, the Miami Heat series we looked incredible. Like I didn't expect any, I didn't expect us to sweep them anyway, which we looked incredible. No. Obviously, Chris's winner at the end of game one was just crazy, and then we go into what the semis against the Nets, and we get absolutely blown away in game two. That. I generally thought that our season was over at that point. I thought we were then going to get swept in the second round. Yeah, then uh, I, I thought, I was like, I don't see where. You know, there's that clip, isn't there, of uh, Paul Pierce in the, from, from round one of the Celtic series a couple of years ago when he says, I don't see where the Bucks go, go from here and then they win 4-1. But that's exactly how I felt after that second next game. I was like, where, where do we go? I, was like, I generally struggled. I was sitting at the end of the, in fact, I'd went to bed absolutely fuming. Woke up in the morning, had a coffee, and I sat there. I was like, I don't see how we get anywhere. And I was like, we have just been absolutely blown apart. Obviously, game one wasn't particularly close anyway, but game two was just embarrassing. Yeah. You know, but fair play to Bud and the players. You know, they, they turned it around at home, managed to keep home court, and then obviously pipped it in game seven. But then, I mean, that's what Sorry? Yeah, Drew, Drew said in the, uh, I don't know, have you seen the, uh, the JJ Reddit podcast with, uh, with Drew? That he did. No, I'm not. It came out like so a couple a couple of days ago. Drew, Drew I mean, he <laughs> Drew's literally sitting in a uh, in a like a in like a shopping mall parking lot doing this doing this podcast <laughs> yeah. with JJ Reddick. But he t- he talks about how how Bud actually he it was the he asked the players what what to do after game two because I think everyone was just sitting there like what what do we do? Like there's so many things you know. Katie's out there being the best player in the world at, well, at that moment anyway. But that's a you know he's being the greatest like shooter and scorer of all time and he's like what, what do we do to stop it and Bud went to the players to ask and I think you know, I think that's that, that that's you know people on Twitter were saying well that's an example of um how you know Bud's not a great coach you had to require you know the players but in a way I think it's that's good coaching right to, to take I, the input of your players yeah, I, I would argue that's actually great coaching because then you go into the players to see what they believe you should do as well then do they just because yeah. you're the coach you're not a dictator you you know you still have to see what your players want to do. I think that's a good idea. You know, you can't force exactly, them into things they don't want to do. I think, you know, we definitely got lucky during that next series at times, but everyone gets lucky at times. You have to get lucky to, to win. I think to win, to win, what, 16 games in the playoffs through, what, four rounds, you have to get a bit of luck on your side at one point. And as we touched on earlier, 
you know, that final shot that Durant took in the in game seven where what his two big toes were on the line or something, or a couple of inches. Uh, you know, a couple of inches further back and we go out in the semi-finals and that's the end of it. You, yeah. know, you need that little bit of luck. But then I, the thing that annoyed me is we won game seven. We were all absolutely buzzing thinking, right, we're going to make it through the, the like, NBA finals here and we lose one, game one at home to the Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was sat there. I was like, how can we be from that excited to have <laughs> just thrown away home court advantage in one game? <laughs> it's, it's this, the Bucks. Well, specifically this series, but I think, like, they are the most bipolar team of all time. They'll go from being the greatest team in the world and playing phenomenal to being, you know, dreadful the next night. And you think, how is it possible for these players to play so differently? Same but, players, um, and somehow we played a completely different game. It doesn't make any sense, but um, no. that's, you know, that's who we are, I guess. That's the identity. <laughs> Again, obviously, we came through that one, what, 4 2 in that series as well, then went on to. The finals against the Suns, which again, two games in, two nil down. Although yep. I don't know, about, I don't know about yourself. I wasn't overly nervous at that point. As, no. as much as much as we were two nil down, and I, it looked terrible on the scorecard. You know, when you're looking at it and thinking mm, it's not ideal. But you know, we hadn't played terribly in Phoenix, and we we all knew that we only needed to win one game in Phoenix, whether that was game one or game seven. That wasn't going to make a difference. Exactly, and I think as well. I think both both of us were, were some of the only positive fans at, at the time. That is true. But um, you know, when you looked at the manner of those those defeats, they were totally different to the manner of the the defeats against the Nets. Like, although they were they were they were big like ten point losses, right? I, yeah, I can't really remember. But, I think so. But, the, but we weren't the team weren't playing bad. At least they were playing well. They were just you know I think Drew had a what, four for twenty shooting or something. But, you know, but um, and Pierre, you know, p- people were like, having a go at him, having a go at Chris, and then to step up, and then they did the next four games. You know, we don't win if Chris doesn't have that forty-point game that he has, which is ridiculous. And then everything like people rag on Drew for shooting stupidly from the light, like uh, from a three, and then not not being able to you know make a shot. But what he, what he does on the other end, it's you know he's the second best defensive player in the league. Correct. In Again, people say sometimes forget about that. If you're having a bad night offensively, they forget what you're doing at the other end of the court. Granted, myself included in that one, you know, you see it and you can be a bit sort of short-sighted in that aspect. But yeah, one or eight, yeah, Chris Paul so went for like 30 or 40 in that night, the game one as well. So, yeah. and then he didn't have another game like that the entire series. You well, know, again, that was, that, was, that was bad, I think, because that first game, Drew was guarding Booker. And Booker gets like in, in one of those two first two games, Booker gets the ten points, or something right? Something like that wasn't a lot. Hardly anything because because Drew is taking him out of the game, and then Bud made the realization, put Drew on Chris because he's he without Chris Paul, the Thunder's offense falls apart, and Bud realizing that putting Drew on Chris Paul destroyed their whole offense. You know, you saw DeAndre Ayton turn into you know nothing. Realistically, on the offense, because he couldn't, because there was no facilitating going on, and that's why that's why on the series, you know, we we sort of said the same thing that we said in the net series, you know, we're gonna let we're gonna let KD beat us, or in the finals, it was we're gonna let Booker beat us. Booker's gonna have to score fifty, sixty a night for us to lose, and he's not KD, and he's not going to. So, 
That's fine. Sometimes you just have to you have to bite the bullet, don't you? We all know that players like KD and Booker are going to go out and have great games. Let them do it. Take away their supporting cast, like you're saying, and all of a sudden it's a little bit different, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, I mean, people started ragging Chris Paul that he was a you know that he he fell apart when his team needed him most. But I don't think it was so much Chris Paul's fault as it was Drew Holiday just removing him entirely as a factor because he's that awesome. good. Correct. And I think that was under, well, I know it was underrated by a few folk I had seen on Twitter where, like you're saying, they went instantly to Chris Paul's dropped his performances. It's his fault. you got to look at the opposition you're playing against. And like you're saying, you know, Bud made those decisions. I think Bud played, pulled the blinder in the finals. I think he was incredible. And I, I can't remember what series it was he started telling the players to play random. Which obviously got quite a lot of stick in it, right? Which, to be fair, I loved that. I thought that was just such a great line to use. So, like, such a random line to throw out there. But, you know, it gave the players a bit of freedom to go do what they wanted. And at the end of the day, it worked. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the, the played random clip, I think, wasn't it from the, uh, it, was, it, was the, it, was the it was the Eastern Conference Finals, and it was the game that we lost against the Hawks. So it was, that was it. Uh, the second game we lost, when Giannis went down. It was a clip from that game in the uh, in the in the um, the thing. I think people got a bit annoyed because they were like, "What is this coaching? We've just lost. It must be this or whatever." Then he kept, he said it in you know in the fight. Then there was more clips been saying it in the dressing room in the in the other game that we were winning. So you know, everyone's I think everyone got behind it a bit. It's a bit of a joke, maybe, but you know. that's great fun. Well, then obviously game six of the finals, which I don't know about you, but I did not enjoy that game one bit. No. I think it took till about eight seconds to go in the game before I actually relaxed. I just I could not <laughs> sit still. I couldn't enjoy the game. I drank a fair amount of whiskey just watching the game just to get me through it, and just I, I couldn't get over it. Like this, I was so nerve wracking. And obviously there was times throughout the season where you were watching the Bucks thinking we've got this, it's comfortable, and then we throw it away. That I just had the paranoia that that was going to happen in Game Six, and then we'd go back to Phoenix for Game Seven and just absolutely like crumble into nothing to lose yeah and I mean I mean uh, my confidence definitely because we we started the game really well right we came out the gate playing yeah, incredible and then we had a stinker of a second quarter right we scored four points or something in the, in the whole quarter we, and we, we, we were awful and it was then you know you're thinking oh, like what, what is going on what, and, but the only hope the only hope was that Giannis was like eight for nine from the free throw line or something you're thinking uh, this is one of those games where he's he's in he's in the he's in the mindset. He knows what he wants, and he and he's going to go and get it. And he did. So did he not go like fifteen for seventeen or something for the free throw line that night? Yeah, fifteen for seventeen in the final. Uh, and, and and the only one that so he was he had missed he missed his he misses like third he misses third free throw or something. I remember thinking this are oh, not this again. But then um, he didn't miss again until the very end of the game when. And I think I think he knew as well because I think I remember I remember the commentators saying, you know, you, I don't know why Giannis didn't pass it there or something because he he, he got a rebound offered uh, with eight seconds to go and then he got fouled to be sent to the line, and um, you're like, oh well, you know, Giannis should have passed it there because he did the previous the previous play he passed it to Chris for the foul, and it's like, well at that point the game is pretty much dead and he's one point away from fifty, so I think he wants he wants to be fouled he you know as as much That's as he, and he, he he wanted it. Yeah, and and he's, he's he's sitting there thinking, you know what? We've won this game. There, there was that there, there was that clip I think when um when Chris got fouled and sent to the line where he's uh you know he jumps up and he grabs he he hugs PJ right he runs down the court with like twenty seconds left or something. Uh, he he wanted it so much more than everyone else. I think I think 
I've never seen a man one study more than he did. <laughs> I still love his story as well, like how he started off in Athens to where he's got to now, which it really bugs me because everyone's like finished reading the Yanis book and I'm still waiting for me to get delivered in December. It's all, yeah, I think that's I mean, going to be such a great story when I get a chance to read that. I, I want to order it because yours has been pushed back by a certain amount. Maybe I'll wait and maybe it will come out. Maybe they'll release it here. I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to just like pitch up in a waterstone somewhere that I can just go along and get one but it started off it should have been here by the end of this month and all of a sudden I got one notification of it'll now be December I was like who the hell can you push it back for like that <laughs> what who are you playing at so I may get it for Christmas so then obviously yeah. season, season ended which kind of gave me an absolute lull of no idea what to do because I was then sleeping through the night when I wasn't working and I was like what do you do but then obviously the draft came along I'm not even going to try and pronounce these names, by the way. I've written them down as their nicknames. So we drafted Manu at 54 and George Greek at 60 from what I've got <laughs> after a trade with the Pacers to trade away the 31st pick. 31st, yeah. Which, when we first traded that away, I was reading all the tweets and people were going absolutely crazy about the fact we traded away. Well, when you look at what we got back for, we got two secondary future picks, didn't we? Plus the two picks we got at this draft. And quite frankly, I think Manu at 54 could be a steal. I think he can. He's going to turn into a cracking player, like as time goes on. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I, I, I remember. Yeah, I, I remember. I spent in in a couple of hours because obviously the draft for us was probably was it like one a.m. or something. So. Yeah. I remember. I remember sitting there a couple hours beforehand, and I was um I was watching a pre-draft stream. But while that while I was doing that, I was also watching highlights of the guys that the um uh. We were we were looking to pick up, and I was like, "Oh, these guys are class! I can't wait to draft Juice McBride or I think Ao, who's, who's now on the Bulls." And I was like, "These guys look these guys are decent." And I remember, I remember, I think it was around pick pick ten that the Bucks it was announced the Bucks were going to trade thirty one down to the uh, the pace, and I, I remember being annoyed. Um, but then turned out because I was like, oh, "I've spent all this time watching all these people, but watching Mamu <laughs> watching Mamu in a summer league, he looks class. He he, he looks good." And as well, so, I think I think we've traded one of those picks already, one of those second rounders. I think that was involved in the Grace Allen trade. It was so really right, Thirteen and what Sam is uh, as good as Sam Merrill is. I don't think he was the piece that the, that the Grizzlies were interested in. I think they were more interested in the pick that we were giving them. So, well, that's the thing. Like, also, when we traded with the Pacers, we got ourselves two draft picks, which we, I think we all knew were going to get traded at points. It was a matter of mm. what the package was going to be. The it was a shame to see Sam Merrill go, but I don't think he would have fitted into the team this year. I think no, no, yeah, I think I think no, he would have struggled to get anything other than G League minutes, and that's nothing against him. I just don't think he would have fitted into what we wanted to do. No, so, no I wonder. I I like Sam. So, you know, uh, you know, he, he comes up in the uh, behind the scenes videos, and I, I think he comes up really well. And I think um, hopefully he can find you know a place in, in Memphis. Yeah, uh, to see, but you know. Obviously, big George Greek as well. I know obviously there was a bit of sort of farting about waiting for him to be able to come in because we had to sort of basically buy him out of Panathinaikos. But again, he doesn't look like the worst player in the world considering he was, what, the last pick in the draft. Yeah. He doesn't look like a bad player. You know, I don't think yeah. he's going to be a game changer anytime soon. But I, de- I definitely think as time goes on, he'd be a good role player for our team. There was definitely a lot of uh, suspect stuff about when he got drafted because... Um... I remember people posting his his stats from the Euroleague and the year you know he 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 was a bench player. Really. I, I saw him because I think I think uh, I read some stuff from a guy who's from Greece who had watched who'd watched him play 
and he said, yeah, he's nothing more than really like a like a bench rotation player, kind of an arc. So I was like, that's a bit bit strange that we that we drafted this like guy that averaged what, four points or something last season in in the Euro League. How's he going to transfer to the NBA? But um, you know, people were saying, you know, is it because you know because he knows Thanasis? I mean, they played together in Greece. So is that the connection? But then that doesn't make any sense because they would have just drafted Alex onto the Kumpo. Right, he was in the draft. If they were drafting, if they were drafting for that, if yeah, if they were drafting because to make Fanatis happy, they would have just drafted him. Like obviously, I think the Antetokounmpo's had something to do with it because, like you're saying, Fanatis has played with him before, so they know what he's like. That it may be a more behind the scenes thing that you know they've got a player they think they can develop. Now, like you're saying, yes, they could have brought Alex Antetokounmpo in quite happily and had the trio playing away. Maybe they're seeing a different thing going now that they could have him come in and they can maybe build him into something that nobody is expecting him to be. Yeah, and I think in some league he looked he looked pretty good. I mean, because there are some players that like, I mean, even even Alex didn't get any really any minutes for the Kings. I think he was there with. But so like he's clearly and you know he he averaged more points in summer league than he did in the Euro League. I don't know if it's, it's probably it probably is actually uh, easier to score in summer league than the Euro League. But still, he didn't look awful. I think. Um, no. Yeah, I don't think he's a, he's a dreadful draft pick. Maybe, yeah, maybe there is something there. I guess we'll see what the plan is. Same with Tamil Tell, won't it? Watch, watch us look like a couple of idiots at the end of the season when he's an absolute flop and does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're sitting here eating all our words. I don't, I don't imagine he's going to get, I don't imagine he's going to get many minutes. I mean, no, maybe, maybe, maybe he's a good defender. Because I'm really saying he was signed, he was signed on a three-year deal, wasn't he? It yeah, was he, Manu, he signed... Manu got the two-way contract and George got the three-year deal with a little bit of extra cash. But yeah, yeah. Again, they must see something there if they're willing to give that kind of contract out. You know, yeah, yeah. You, you could easily give him the rookie deal where he gets a two-way contract, does his own thing, and you can leave him be. But to pull him in and give him a three-year deal with a bit of extra cash, there has to be something not everyone knows about that they see as something, the Bucks see as something they want to progress with. Yeah, there, there must be something there. So um, we'll see how he goes. Um, I doubt he'll. Yeah, I doubt he'll get many minutes this year at all. Really, oh, absolutely I mean, not. There's what three players ahead of him in the guard rotation, really. I think so. Um, I doubt he'll get any minutes, but uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. I never, I never know. We get a bit of garbage time at the end of some games, but essentially. So, oh, so the draft finished. That then took us into free agency, where I'm not going to lie, the first like day or two of that was an absolute emotional roller coaster for me. Was lay in bed, seeing that we signed Bobby Portis, and was pretty much jumping around my bed because I was that happy to see that he had yet again taken a pay cut. I can't remember exactly what the contract was. It was like two years at nine yeah. million or something. I think it's yeah, two years, nine point five basically. It's like four. I think it's four and a half this year, and then five next year, and then we will then get the bird rights on him, which means we'll be able to give him yeah a lot more as much as we want. So, so hopefully this is like he's going to be here for a while now. I'd like to think so. I think it's like it's certain to say that he deserves a reward of some form, doesn't he? You know, you can't ask a guy to take a pay cut for three years and then tell him to fuck off as soon as his contract's exactly. up. You'd like to think that because I'm right in saying his second year is also a player option, isn't it? So he can opt into it or opt out to it. Because I think I've seen something that he could opt out of his player option next year, but then be re-signed for more money because we will have a bit and more cap space around as well. So I think so, yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. It could be just a one-year deal where he's accepted a little bit less and then he's going to progress forward, which, again, ideal. The man deserves a pair. You know, I don't think no. any Bucks fan would have begrudged him going elsewhere and taking money after no, what I think, this year. 
I think there was part of me that wanted him to go elsewhere and get money because I think there are a lot of tweets that he put out that weren't cryptic. You could pretty much tell what he was talking about. You know, he didn't, there was some stuff he tweeted about head and heart, you know, and yeah, him wanting to provide knowing, because I think he's also from a pretty um, poor up, poor background as well. You know, <laughs> I wanted him to, I almost, obviously I, lo- I loved him as a player, but I, lo- I love him as a person even more so. And, you know, I wanted him to, I wanted him to get paid. I, I was like, look after yourself because I mean, because it is a risk to take a pay cut. I mean, I, you know, if if he gets a, you know, an injury in the, this season or next season that t- ruins his career, then he's, you know, he's he's not going to get the, the money that he deserves. And exactly. It's, so. it, it's still a risk, and he, he took the risk last season, and it paid off. And I almost wanted him to, you know, cash out, get the money now. But he's he he just, I mean, that's that's what's so good about him is that that he just he, he loves the team. That's the thing. It's one of those things that again, you know, money can't buy that kind of loyalty that a player can show to a club. And it's nice to see that there is, you know, some players out there who would rather play for a team they want to play for than take a payday and go off. And from what it looks like, he's quite clearly made a home in Milwaukee. Well, is that it? So, yeah, yeah, I did the same thing for Theo. Yeah, I mean, then obviously that fantastic news from Bobby was kind of ruined, right? By, not ruined, but it definitely took us all down a peg by hearing about PJ Tucker, right? I was absolutely devastated when I read that, that, you know, again, also we spoke earlier about Dante's injury, you know, being a big miss. And as you said, if we didn't have PG Tucker, that playoff run probably doesn't go on as long as it did. That I was devastated, not only to see that he left, but he had left to go to Miami for less money. Which, yeah. looking at it now, now that I've calmed down and then you look into it and see how much that contract would have actually cost the Bucks in the luxury tax, I completely get why we didn't keep him. However, he wanted to stay... He was a fan favourite, you know. It was a real shame to see him go. And then to go to the Heat as well. That was just a bit of a kick in the balls. That of all the teams yeah. to go to, he went to Miami. I, I, remember, I, remember, I remember being really angry at, at him at, at first. Because when the news first broke, you, you see the Woj tweet or the Shabs tweet or whatever, and you're thinking, why has he done that? Yeah, he's taken... We, we, because basically, I think everyone was reacting. There's no way we didn't offer him the money. There's no way the Bucks didn't offer him the 20 million that we could offer him, and he's taken less to go somewhere else. Like how? And then it all came out, and PJ posted a big emotional tweet on, or the emotional Instagram post, right, saying about how he was, you know, shocked that he didn't, that he wasn't offered the, or found out that he wasn't going to be offered the amount that we wanted that that he well that he deserves really. And I think even more so, you know, he deserved to say because of what he did for us. And it's also like, you know, as much as the as much as the joke it is, I, I don't know if you've seen the there's there's that post where it's like, don't worry, we have PJ Tucker, he's a Durant stopper, and it's like, plus stop, and it's like, no. <laughs> and as much as that's a joke, he is a Durant. He did. It was. There were he times where he slowed him down. I think his defensive capability is going to be massively missed. Now, I had this discussion. Well, I say discussion. It's more of an argument with this guy on Twitter that started over to Nassis <laughs> and basically. The guy just kept showing me the spreadsheet of how players are good at basketball because the spreadsheet says so. And they got into the topic of PJ Tucker, and he was going on about well, PJ gives you this and that. I was like, but going on your going on this guy's thing, if you don't pre- produce offensively, you weren't worth having in the team. And I was like, well, you can't judge like that because you got PJ Tucker, who what well, it doesn't put up a hell of a lot of points. Let's be honest. But again, his tenacity in defense was what he was in the team for, and it was incredible to watch. The, you know, I think it's I think it's going to leave a big hole in our defence, especially yeah. with Dante out for a while as well. 
and I think there's rumours he's going to be out for a good few months still, isn't it? That you look at and think a player like PJ would have been great to have on the team. But again, when you look at it, it was we're going to cost us like 30, 40 million dollars. 40 million, yeah, it would have been 40 million a year for this year so, and next year. In, in, for in, what was an million dollar contract. So yeah. when you look at that, you, people were saying also the owners cheaped out and stuff, but you can kind of understand why. You know, yeah. four times I mean, as you have to for a player, which, okay, yeah, we've not entirely replaced, but, you know, we've brought in other players instead with the money we would have had to spend on them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is frustrating. Uh, but yeah, you, you can understand why the owners didn't want to. Uh, didn't want to um, bring him back, and uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to move on. Because I mean, there's that um, there's a there's a graph as well of all players in the playoff uh, ranks. There's the offensive points added and, and the defensive points added, and Giannis is somewhere way off in the corner because obviously he's the he was the best defensive and offensive player in the playoffs. And then but then PJ is the only player massively in the negative on offense, but he's <laughs> massive on defense because. Because at times he is an offensive negative being out there. Something like, but in in series it doesn't matter if like with, with the team that the Bucks have, you don't need five players who are all going to be phenomenal on offense. You need defenders, and but he I, was you know you know fifth or sixth best defender in the playoffs. I think. I mean, he's really up. Thing, hey, we've got the likes of Yanis and Chris who are going to go forward and going to get you the points. Giroud as well, but then you've got Giroud. And Giannis are going to come back defensively and play, play well. You still need someone else there. You know, and PG was that man when Donnie was out. So it'll be interesting to see how we line up defensively. Yeah. And, and, so the, sorry. But one of the pluses is, I think, if you look at the series that, that PJ had the biggest impact in, I think he had the biggest impact. We had the biggest impact in the net series, 100%. Absolutely. And then he also had a pretty big impact in the Miami series. But after that, against Atlanta and Phoenix, I don't think he played too big a role. I think there were definitely times because he's he's much he's a much better defender of a of a good big. That's what he, he's he's good at defending above his size. When he was defending Booker in the finals, I think there were times where Booker was getting the better of him because he was quicker, mm-hmm. you know, laterally. And you know, PJ's not getting any younger. He's, he, well, you that's know, true, right? And he can't he he won't be able to keep up with the, the smaller guards. And so he did have his defensive liabilities as well as being so good. Time. Oh, so he, he's, he, he's not irreplaceable but it's just it's going to be hard to find a replacement <laughs> absolutely it's going to be very very difficult but then that took us on to the rest of free agency where we signed what we got George Hill came back to us which I don't think anybody expected given how he left the team I don't think that was expected in the slightest we traded Sam Merrill and brought in Grayson Allen who else did we get we got Rodney Hood and Semi would you like? That's how you pronounce it. But to be honest, I don't think we had a bad free agency. You know, there was a lot no, of hope think... given the team stick again because there's there's a lot of hope <laughs> we look for the negatives. I think you don't look at the positives you're getting out of it. Now we lost what two players. We lost Jeff Teague as well, which let's be honest isn't a loss. And we brought in four players who are either good or have the chance to develop into a good team. Yeah, I think so, when you when you look at, um, I think the team now is better. Than the team was at the start of last season. I oh, think absolutely. We're comfortably the second best team in the East with the team we have, I think, behind the net, obviously, because that's, that's stupid. Um, but we've definitely secured that we're better than Philadelphia, especially with all the problems that they have going on um, at the moment. But I think, I, yeah, I think free agency was actually pretty good in the end. I don't think, you know, Rodney Hood, um, 
he, he's coming off an, a, he had an Achilles injury, I think, what, at the beginning of last year, I think. Mm-hmm. And he was recovering from that the whole season. And his production massively dropped. And I assume his value did with that. And so we've picked him up. But there were times, I think, earlier in his career where he was actually quite a good role player. And if he, if he can become that, he can become... Oh, we lost Bryn as well. He can become Bryn Forbes off the bench, I guess, as a nice shooter. Fair, again, I was kind of expecting that we would lose him. I don't know why, but because he, he sort of saved so early in free agency that Bryn wanted to leave, didn't he? Yeah, I think... And I don't think we really wanted him either because he was great against the Heat, but then unplayable for the rest of the playoffs because he he's such a defence... Like he he is such a defensive liability that he can't stay out there. If he's not hitting his shots, then he's not doing it. And I, I think I think he definitely let let the team down at the beginning of the net series anyway. Because oh, I think his absolutely. presence he he well, wasn't hitting his shots and he was getting he had, he had, a, he had a great like series against the Nets, didn't he? Oh, not the Nets, sorry, the Heat. The heat. the heat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the there's race. there's that there's that graphic of him. You know, he outscored Jimmy Butler in the Heat series. So and, then, and then he goes on to the next series and was basically unplayable. Yeah. And he, he I, I, did he even, did he play? He might have played at the beginning of the Hawks series, but I don't think he touched the floor against the yeah. Suns. Uh, he didn't get masses of minutes, but then again, you look at, like, Bobby Portis didn't really play in the next series, did he? But then he well, came back and he proved why he should be in the team because he was incredible against both the Suns and the Hawks. Whereas Bryn, I think if Bryn had come back into the, at the beginning of the Hawks, there was that, the, the game that we lost against the Hawks, Bud was, you know, the, the Bud rotation of, you know, 11 players was back <laughs> from a, from the Miami series in the bubble where he was playing everyone. You know, you got Marvin Williams getting minutes or whatever. <laughs> and Bryn got, minutes in, <laughs> Bryn got minutes in that game and wasn't very good. And they never saw, they didn't really, didn't really have anything again. So I don't think he'll be, a, he'll be too big of a loss. But he, he, he was fun for that one series. Yeah, he was good. For, well, he had a few good games in the sort of the regular season, but he was never something that you were going to be upset about losing as such. No, he, he, From three, he, he had great time, like great games, but he didn't provide a hell of a lot after that, like you were saying. Yeah, no, he he. There, there was that one. Him and Giannis developed a real nice chemistry at times. There was the, there was the the dribble handoff with him and him and Brent that I really that was really fun at mm-hmm. times. But other than that, you know, I think he was a big part of that. Record-breaking three night, right? Bobby, it wasn't it, eh? It, it broke because I think I think Giannis was going um, going for the longest time scoring double digits, and he scores nine points in the game where we break the threes record because we didn't really need him to do anything. <laughs> Ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> so I, I'm yeah. looking at this, I'm looking at the roster that I think I'm pretty sure it's a great roster we've got together here of who we've signed and who we've got as like guards, wings, and bigs. I think we've got a cracking team going forward to. Also, I know you said also the second best team in the East after the Nets, which, to be fair, I think you just have to take the Nets out, don't know. The chances are they're probably going to go for the number one seed if they all stay healthy. But that is also the big yeah. if, isn't it? It's like James Harden's came out today and said, give me a fit Nets team and we'll win it all. So it's amazing what happens when you've got yeah. three superstars on one team. Exactly. Like, you know, if you had the, um, what was it, the, uh, the, O12, the, the O12 Lakers, with uh, Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, if they're healthy, they win it all too. You know, the, the 04, um, there was a team in 04 as well. It was, uh, it was the 04 Lakers again, and they had Carl um, Malone and uh, Gary Payton. Give them a fit team, and they also win it all. But that's, you know, exactly. it's very easy to say in hindsight, give me, a, give me you know, a million all-star appearances on one team, and I'll win it all. 
fine. Exactly. It, it. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's cheating, but I'm not a massive fan of super teams. I think it kind of takes away from the excitement of no, don't right. So sorry, don't get me wrong, right? See like, if you're gonna watch a, a super team and you're happen that you go you're in New York and the only game you can take in is a Nets game. Fantastic. You've got a fit Nets team there, look at the quality of players you're going to see. Right. So from that aspect, brilliant. Probably attracts quite a crowd. But in terms of going on to win things, it seems like it's I wouldn't call it cheating because that's obviously not the right word to put for it. But you know, you're making it easy for yourself. Yeah. It, it, I think well, because I think probably in terms of basketball product, the greatest ever basketball team in terms of the, the, the basketball that they played is that Warriors team with KD, with Clay, with Steph. But it wasn't it was fun for them, but for nobody else. All the other team. twenty teams, all the the, the other twenty nine teams didn't enjoy watching them play. Absolutely. You know, um, when they were playing them anyway. I would get bored watching that. Like it would be great to watch at times, but then you'd be going to games and you'd be absolutely fuming just to lose a game. Yeah. You're saying looking like right, you know, give us a bit of a challenge. Like don't go wrong, it's an absolute roller coaster watching the Bucks. You play your same, but bipolar, you never actually know what team's going to turn up. But I think that adds to the fun. That's you know, what makes sport entertaining. There have to be ups and downs. If there's no ups and downs, if it's all ups, then you know it doesn't feel like you earned it. You know. Correct. When, Whereas I think when, the way the Bucks have went about it, the way Yanis has went about it, they've done it the way that you should. I think. I think had had Kyrie and KD one stayed together as the Nets, just the two of them, I think that's a perfectly fine team. And I think for mm-hmm. them to go and win stuff there, I think KD would finally get out of that shadow of him not being able to win without a super team. But now he's got Harden. His entire career is going to be covered by the fact that you know, he won't be able to make people's top ten all time. Because he never won on his own. He never did it the right way, you know? True. I was doing nothing earlier on about KD, where the th- since he's left the Thunder, the Thunder have never made it out in the first round of the playoffs. Since he's left the Warriors, they've never made it into the playoffs. And obviously now he's at the Nets, where the talk is, can they go the full way as a team? But again, it's then going to be tarnished with, he had a super team. I would have liked to have seen him win it at the Thunder when he had Russell Westbrook, and that was it. And that was pretty much the team they had, and it was the two of them just going at it. I would love to see that come back. You know, if they had made it to the finals, I think people would have enjoyed watching it. And they got very close. I mean, they did because they lost. They they lost to the Warriors right in the mm-hmm. um in the in the Western Conference Finals, and then you know they 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 were almost there. And I think had you know if they given it another season, another go, they might have been able to do it. I mean, James Harden at the time was playing for the Thunder, but he was he was a, he was a six man at the time. He was yeah. a, you know, he was, a, he was maybe, what, Jordan Clarkson level at the time. But another year of him progressing, and then, you know, KD and Russ, and then maybe maybe it's a different story, and that is the right way to build a team, because they drafted all three of those players. If you, I think if you draft a super team, that's perfectly fine. Cause, I mean, that's just great drafting. And to be fair, OKC are really good at the draft. Like, they got the um, GM just insane at how many first-round picks that man has had. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm actually... Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of what OKC are doing at the moment. I think, I think, I think it's really because coming from, you know, not watching American sports at all and coming into American sports and watching people do really fun stuff with their with their team. Like, I love the fact that he's the, um, the, the the Thunder have just gone. You know what? Screw it. Trade everyone. Our team's going to be woeful, but we're going to have a million first round picks, so it'll be fine. And it and, and it doesn't matter if you have a bunch of stinkers because then eventually one of them will be, be good. Also, well, apart from that, everyone's expecting you to be piss poor for the couple of years that you're rebuilding. And if you're coming in and getting that many young players in, you know, you're quite clearly building for the future and building for it well. 
you, like you're saying, you only need about what eighty percent of those players to be to turn into good players, and you've got yourself a cracking team that's not cost you a hell of a, hell of a lot to build. Exactly. I mean, some of my some 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 of the Bucks games I enjoyed the most this season were the games where everyone got rested. I loved that Knicks game where Thanasis was insane, and so was Jordan Moore. I I loved watching that game because there were no expectations or consequences. You didn't mind if the team lost because it was fun. Correct. I'm so gutted I missed that Knicks game again with Tenacity coming out of the box like that. I had to go back and watch it in the morning. But I'm so happy that night when he went away and done that. It was. It was. I. I, I remember saying I wasn't going to watch it because I was like, well, you know, it, we're obviously not trying to win the game. So why, like, so I, I might not watch it because it, it, it will probably be us just getting absolutely stumped. And I said, I watched the first quarter and see how it's going after that. And it was it was incredible. I loved watching it. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, the, the big issue for UK fans when it comes to games like that is, like you're saying, the team has set out not to particularly care about the game. That You're still being asked to stay up till three or four in the morning to watch a game. You know, regardless of the players we're putting on the court, it doesn't change the time that a game finishes over here. That, exactly. I, I know for myself, there were some games I was looking at thinking, right, I can watch that. I'm not watching that because... I've got something on tomorrow morning. I can't be going to bed at five o'clock in the morning. Now, yeah. you know, if it turns out a cracking game, then yeah, you might decide you're staying up to watch it. But a game where you're putting out the reserves and the rookies, <coughs> excuse me, you're, you're not so inclined to watch it. And like you're saying, yeah, they're normally really fun to watch. But is it worth then staying up till five o'clock in the morning to watch a game? Exactly, exactly. And I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll plan what games I'm going to watch and what games I'm not going to. I'll scroll to the NBA app and it will have the because it, it that actually that that. that Changes the time based on time zone. Mm-hmm. So I'll be sitting there. I'll be thinking, uh, two a.m. That's pushing it. If it starts at two, it's gonna it's gonna finish at like half four. Can I can I really be bothered? Yeah, and we're playing what we're playing the magic. Well, I'm not. Is it worth it? Yeah, you know. Uh, all right, we're, we're playing the we're playing the Lakers. We're playing the Nets. We're playing. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll stay up and watch it. But we're playing, you know, the Magic, the Rockets. I don't really. I mean, there was that game where we got absolutely blasted by the Rockets. I didn't because um mm-hmm. when um. Well, Kevin Porter scored 51 or whatever he scored. I was very I remember, happy to have been working that night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I remember. I remember like I remember turning it off at like halfway through the game because it's like I can't. You know, this is a regular season game. It's half three in the morning. I can't. I'm not enjoying it. So I'm going to go to bed <laughs> because I guess that's that's what it is for us, right? Because See, we have, I have to make this, that sacrifice. I have this really weird issue, right? See, if I start watching the game and I don't physically fall asleep through it for like if I'm chattered. Like there was days where I was going to work for a day shift, finishing at five, starting at five in the morning, like to get up for work, and I'd be up till the following five o'clock in the morning watching games and somehow fight and sleep. But see, if we're playing really, really poorly, I can't go to bed while the game's on because I get really pissed off. But I then end up with some form of FOMO, being like, oh, I'm going to have to say, what if we make a comeback from this fifty-point deficit? <laughs> Which realistically, we are never doing. You know, there's there's twenty, there's one quarter left in the game, and we're down thirty points. I probably need to step and watch it. I've watched three quarters or so far. You never and know. Sitting, um, and, I, and I'm sitting looking back, going, "What are you doing? Like, we're quite clearly not winning that game. Go to bed." Yeah, I mean, quite quite often, I'll I'll um I'll go to bed, but like, cause I'll, I'll sit there on my phone for a bit, and I'll keep an eye on the box score. And if it is getting a little bit close, I'll be like, oh, "Fine, I'll get my laptop back out and I'll put it back on again." <laughs> That's it's ridiculous, isn't it? But so I think the last thing we'll touch on tonight then is the expectations we have going into this season coming. Now, I've already joked about on Twitter saying that we're going to get the repeat. 
which, quite frankly, I do think we have a chance of doing. You know, we didn't win by fluke to win the championship this year. We have a very good core team that we've made additions to. But I genuinely think the Eastern finals or another like NBA finals appearance is genuinely possible if the team stays healthy. Which again is a big issue for us. I think I agree. I think we can do it. I think people are, people are underrating our chances as well. I think a lot of people are sitting there saying, oh, the Lakers are the favourites or the Nets are the favourites and then the Bucks aren't really anywhere anywhere near the top of their list. But I think in terms of, I think we are, I mean, I think we are the second favourite because behind the Nets, I think that series is going to be the NBA Finals. But at the same time, if we, again, have to beat the Nets in seven in in hopefully the finals, in the hopefully the Eastern Conference finals this time and not the second round. But if we have to do the same thing and, you know, battle through a seven game series and then have to go on and play, you know, the Lakers or whatever, it's gonna to be tough. It'll be hard. Absolutely. And, you know, I think I think um the West is definitely getting weaker. For a while the West has been the best conference yeah. by a mile. But um, I don't think I don't think that's true any, anymore. I think I think the East is definitely is, is stronger now. Um, but we're gonna, yeah, we, we we can do it. Whether we will it depends on a lot of things. And I mean, the team will probably look different by the time we get there. I'd imagine we make some trades at the deadline after yep, we see them play, um, and we'll see what <laughs> we'll see how we feel going into the playoffs. But um, and you never know. Maybe something happens and. Another massive trade happens that completely blows our chances of doing anything because maybe you know maybe Dame Damian Lillard comes over to play for Philly and I don't know what that trade would be and you know that they get a, they get a third star and you're thinking oh god now I've got two super teams in the same conference that we've got to go through. Well, after I you know there's a lot of sort of tangibles to it, isn't there? But it'll be an interesting. I think it's going to be a great season. It's going to be interesting. Well, going to be another lot of late nights watching it, you know. In loving every moment, you know, through great teeth at points. I think it's definitely going to be an enjoyable season. But I think I'm also going to be, I'm not going to be, I, I think I'm going to take a lot more leniency this this season with like, you know, I think last season there were times where I was getting quite annoyed at the team and different things that, that, that were going on. And I was like, oh, you know, we're useless or woeful or whatever. But I think seeing this season and how, how it's turned out, I think I'm not going to mark, you know, if, if you know in January we lose to the Magic by ten points or something, it's like, oh well. Just but accept it and move on. It happens. Yeah, yeah. If, if if the Thunder beat us with their children, then it's going to be like, oh, <laughs> oh. It, it would be a it be it be annoying, but it's like it doesn't really matter. So yes, no, there's, there's that many games in an NBA season, isn't there? That you know you can still you can afford to lose twenty games and still make the playoffs, thirty games and make the playoffs. Whereas, exactly. you know, if, you lose, if you lose 30 games in a football season, you've lost an entire season pretty much. <laughs> You're relegated. Well, I think, I think that, well, that's the thing. That's the t- I think that's why I used to always think tough about seasons like that. You know, obviously, baseball is even worse. But there's that many games that, as a UK fan, when I first got into the basketball, I wasn't used to the fact that they played like double the amount of games that like an actual like Scottish football season was. I found it crazy. But then when you actually look and watch a sport, you understand why they play as many games as they do and how they play them. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely interesting. I mean, yeah, like, well, we, it, it, yeah, I mean, we'll see how how many games we win. Uh, what seed? Hopefully, second. Ho- hopefully, second seed. I'd imagine. I mean, 
I can't, I can't, I, um, with, with the issues, I don't think, I don't think the Heat are going to be very good. I think there are a lot of people on Twitter talking about how the Heat are going to be very good and going to be title contenders with us and the, the Nets. And I don't think that's true at all. I think they're going to no, be pretty rubbish. They're all Heat fans that are saying that. From what well, exactly. No. It's, just, it's just because there's a lot of them. <laughs> but I think, I think, I think Carl Lowry won't be very good. I reckon. Well, he, he, he's a good enough player, but I think he, he'll be too, he's old now and I don't think he'll have the impact that people do. And I think Jimmy Butler, again, won't be the player that he was in the bubble. And their only real hope is Tyler Hero being good, which I don't see happening. I was going to say, you're relying on a lot for it. You need him to really make a comeback because he wasn't superb this season, was it? No, and I don't, I don't see him doing anything. So I don't, I don't see the Heat really challenging us. And I, the 76 is like... A, uh, they they still haven't traded Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons's current situation is that he isn't playing for Philly ever again. I think that's it. that's how he's feeling. Pretty much that that whole scenario is just absolutely crazy, isn't it? Like, the fact that he's just stopped speaking to the team, like yeah, he's just you get paid by them. at least speak to them. So um, that seems a mess. So I don't see them challenging us at all. And then you know the Hawks going to have another year under them under themselves, and they look like a good team in terms of like doing it the right way. I think the Hawks are the biggest people in the East at the moment to do it the right way. Um, but I think they're still a couple of years off it. I think I think they are, but I think they're going to be there or thereabout for the next couple of years while they build up. I don't think they're going to be like first round exits for the next couple of years. I think they're going to continue. They're, don't get wrong, I don't think they're going to get past the Eastern Finals over the next two or three years. But I think they're definitely going to give folk a run for their money. Like I don't think many people gave them a chance against Philly this year. Philly no. got done. Exactly. You know, I think I they're going to be there, but I think it'll be there'll be there'll be a time where Trey Young is like the best point guard in the league, and when that happens, that's when they'll be competing for the title. But that's still a couple of years away. Absolutely. I think you know the Knicks have made quite a few good signings this year. I think they're going to be again. I don't think they're going to be like championship contenders, but I think they're going to give whoever they play in the playoffs a good run for their money. You know, no, whether yeah, that definitely. be the first, second, or even into the final round of the Eastern. I think they will give people a push. Yeah, and I think we'll have to see how Julius Randle plays. I know that mm-hmm. he kind of fell apart in the playoffs this season, but he could he could have a, another resurgence this season in terms of playing in the playoffs because I, I don't yeah his consistency definitely definitely fell off. And then there's the Bulls are a good team now. Again, uh, they've got another they've made a good couple of signings again. I think I think they I think people are they're potentially underrating them. Mm-hmm. I think Great. I think it's dangerous. Yeah, I, th- I think the uh, I think the potential there is actually really big because they've got they've now got four players who can shoot threes and Demar Derozan who can't shoot threes, but it doesn't matter because the rest of the team can. So he can do everything he wants in that mid range area where he's so good. Correct. I think, I think to be honest, like you're saying, I think the Eastern Conference was definitely stronger than the West, and I think it's going to be a very entertaining season in the East. I do think the Bucks and the Nets will battle out for the top two. And then I think it'll be the best of the rest going from three through to how was it six eight or in fact the bringing players back again aren't they? So I think from sort of third place down, it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be very very tight, and I think we we don't know we won't know how that's going to look until we see teams play and see them see how how they sort of gel together. Because I mean the Bulls could just have like a massive meltdown and not do anything. But um, that's true. I I don't see there being an easy matchup in the playoffs come the end of next season. I think no matter who you get, don't go wrong, I think a lot of people underestimated the Hawks this year going into it. You know, we expected the Heat to be better than what they were. 
when we went into the first round. And granted, we made it look like a piece of cake by the time we finished. But I think I don't. I think it'd be rude to sleep on any of the teams that are looking like playoff contenders this year. To at least you know throw a couple of upsets in there. No, I think everywhere from three down is completely up in the air. I think obviously that like the, the Pistons and the Magic aren't, mm. and I don't think I doubt. But even the Pacers could do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got assets to make a trade for someone good. I mean, all the way there's so many teams in the East that could do something. We just don't know yet. I think it's going to be interesting, but I think we'll call it a day there. So it's been a blast having you on, Matt. Obviously, we'll be back doing another podcast in the future at some point soon. Not gonna lie, I'm not entirely sure when that'll be yet. Maybe a week or two, something like that. Whenever we can fit it in, I guess. But thank you very much for listening and take care. Goodbye.